Welcome to Inside the Upside Down on the Mike Ricksecker audio journey on MikeRicksecker.com. Welcome to Inside the Upside Down. I am author and ghost story Mike Ricksecker. We have a, uh, I think it's going to be a very fun episode tonight, real versus real paranormal movies. So we're going to uh, take a look at some different famous paranormal horror movies and see what the differences are between real life and Hollywood because there are a lot of of differences. But I think this will be a fun show. Of course, feel free to chime down there in the chime in down there <laughs> in the chat room, Mad Hatters, because I'm sure you guys have a lot of great uh, input. You're probably going to have some different movies that you want me to talk about, and that will be fine. We'll uh, try to get in as much as we can over the next hour. Our chat shenanigator, Shauna, is not with us this evening. She's down in the chat. Thank you, Shauna, for shenanigating the chat. But usually she joins us here on Inside the Upside Down and will be unable to do so tonight because, well, she's battling some stuff. And so send out some positive energy for her. And hopefully she will be well for tomorrow. She has to get up and go to work. So uh, don't we all? <laughs> all right. So let's get into it and i see people are down there in the chat and i want to have to uh, thank andrew cox because after the last show after we had already signed off he threw out a couple of more uh, five dollar super chats out there for edge of the rabbit hole and I really want to thank him for that of course our edge of the rabbit hole episode this evening was art bell and the state of the paranormal we had special guest uh check chuck banks on and so great episode and we really appreciate everybody for that so i hope the volume here is okay i know it was in and out uh last episode last week all that i don't know what's going on with it um just one one week when i got back from shauna's a couple weeks ago it's stuff has been kind of weird ever since then i don't know what the heck happened so we'll just we'll roll with it so okay real versus real let's just dive into one where shall we start <laughs> let's um you know i'm gonna start with uh let's start with infield <clears throat> the infield poltergeist so drinking a little tea here so excuse me this was featured in the movie the conjuring 2 and i am gonna get to the conjuring it seems a little weird that i'm going backwards but um i started i decided to start with this one first just because that there's actually more in The Conjuring 2 that really happened than in The Conjuring. And we'll get to The Conjuring here in just a bit. And you know, that reminds me, I forgot to grab Andrea's book. Dang it. And Shauna's saying, Mike is so quiet. I, I don't know. The, the volume meter looks fine, so I don't know what to say. <laughs> it just got quieter. I, I see what you guys are saying. I can't do anything about it. So, <laughs> you know, I've done, I've played with it. I don't know. I'm going to have to between this week and next week, figure it out. I don't know what to do about it right now while we're live. Okay, so The Conjuring 2, like I said, was a little bit more true to the story than the original Conjuring. Of course, the movie features Ed and Lorraine Warren, which they really were not involved in the case. You know, they were there for like a couple of days, kind of showed up on their doorstep and you know, talked to a few people and met the family and all that. And 
that, that was about their involvement. So Anna Lorraine being deeply involved in this case didn't happen. Um, you know, and the movie, of course, portrays them being there, called them by the church to check it out, da-da-da-da-da. Um, so what really happened? <laughs> well, uh, the girl, Janet Hodgson, um, she was apparently, uh, there's a lot of, okay, poltergeist activity that happened. She was channeling uh, Bill, which the voice of Bill, you know, it does sound like a creepy old man, you know, saying he's 72 years old. People did confirm that Bill did live there, did die there at, at 72, you know, and the method of death, all that happened. And that was actually portrayed throughout the movie. And one of the things I actually liked about it was that a lot of the things that was that were questioned about the case, like the photographs, like the girls making things up, um, a lot of the different questions throughout the entire thing were actually brought up in the movie. They showed the photographs. They're like, okay, but it could just be jumping on the bed. You know, uh, they did portray in the movie uh, Janet faking stuff, and the the girls did admit, well, yeah, we faked about two percent or whatever it was. And it's like, oh, yeah, but even if you do two percent, that calls into question everything else. And so. I did appreciate that the movie portrayed that stuff. Um, what else was... Um, I'm trying to think of what else was in the movie. I know, I just... We went from a completely different topic right into this. So... Um, oh, one of the things I always thought interesting about this case that was also portrayed correctly in the movie was the involvement with the police. Now, there were eyewitness accounts from the local police department of paranormal activity in the house. And so that was also portrayed within the movie. However, there are a lot of things that just did not happen, you know, such as, of course, the demon Valak had nothing to do with the infield case at all. Uh, the nun, you know, which Valak portrayed was a throw in at the last minute into the movie, which a lot of people thought it was a very creepy idea. And of course, there's a spinoff movie now that they're coming out, The Nun. You know, but that didn't happen at all. You know, some of the different things like the uh, the flooding of the basement, the, you know, upside down crosses or the, the crosses that turned themselves upside down uh, within the household, none of that. So, you know, there's a, a lot of different things that, of course, they did to Hollywoodize it up. Uh, the whole uh, uh, crooked man that there was nothing with the crooked man in there, so of course, you know that's what you get with Hollywood. So uh, let's see if you guys have any feedback yet here down in the chat. So Punk Guy, Fun Guy, The Conjuring got real stupid toward the end. We're gonna get to the original one here in just a bit. Tom McNicholas was creepy with Bill in the chair. Yeah. So the if you listen to the recordings, the actual recordings of Janet, again, it does sound like a guy. Now, there's a lot of people who say that she was using the second vocal cords. You actually have a second set of vocal cords back deep in the throat that you can use, and it does sound like that, but most people can only 
use them for a short period of time before they basically give out and get a hoarse voice and all that. And she was apparently able to do this for long extended periods of time. So that's where people that were there, like Morris Gross, um, were saying it could have been. They actually brought in a, ventrilo- a ventriloquist to a professional to get his take on on her voice and what was coming out of her. And he was like, yeah, no, it's, it's not ventriloquism. <laughs> what she's doing is not ventriloquism. So a lot of people do chalk it up to a legit channeling while others still hold on to the, you know, it's the second set of vocal cords. The, um, the cyclical society there in, I guess it would be London. It would be in the UK. They're actually more on the side of the second vocal cords and pointed out some things like, well, you know, she wasn't going on and on and on for, you know, hours straight. She would talk a little bit and stop and then talk a little bit and stop. So they were saying that in that little bit of time of stopping that, you know, then she, uh, you know, would have regained herself a little bit. So jury's still out, but it's one of those cases that a lot of people do chalk up as a legit case. And of course, when they brought it to Hollywood, because you have this, the, the Conjuring, the first Conjuring movie was a big hit. The Warrens were like this much involved with uh with infield so they wanted to use another big profile case here you go um so uh is that jen jen with a yes jen with a two uh, with a ten dollar super chat says 20 years wedding anniversary tomorrow well congratulations jen on your 27th wedding anniversary that is fantastic Uh, congratulations to you both so um yeah, Tammy, if you use that those for that long, your voice is cast. Yeah, that's kind of what we're saying. I mean, there's still people that will contest it. I don't know. The photos that come out of there, of course, people can contest that. It's, I guess it, it's one of those that even, because I've, I've, I've seen some of the accounts and in interviews with the eyewitnesses that were there that they'll even admit these photos, you know, they look like crap. You know, anybody that, it wasn't there just coming in for the first time that's maybe already starting off skeptical about it. They're going to look at the photos and be like, yeah, it's nothing. Um, but then being there, like, stuff was really going down. So, but like I said, with, with the movie, they did get into that. So that was kind of a, a, a nice one that they did there. So Betty and Wayne Lange, hey, uh, coming in late, what's up? We we're talking real versus real. I, I want to throw a shout out there for Betty and Wayne because they... Uh, they're always tagging us on Twitter. So we always uh, appreciate that. So thank you guys. So let's get into uh, another case. So let's hit... um... Oh, here we go. Amityville. (laughs) Amityville, yes. So this is... You know, it's kind of funny with Amityville. Because it's one of those early influences for me, and I've I've yet to do a video at all on Amityville. So obviously, the Amityville horror um, addresses the Lutz case, and so this is a matter of whether you believe the Lutz story or not. <laughs> 
And I mean, personally, I, I don't, you know, um, Sorry, I know some people will adhere to it and be like, yeah, it was real, but this is one of those hotly contested ones. You know, I do believe that the place is haunted, just not the way the, the Lutz is portrayed. You know, you've had other people in there. I think the Warrens are in there doing their thing. We'll get into that in a second. Hans Holzer was in there, and the second Amityville movie, Amityville 2, The Possession, is based off of some of his work. And so... You know, the idea is really that, yeah, the place is haunted, just not with the Lutzes and the way they did it. Of course, you know, they really amped it up for Hollywood on this one. You know, when you're talking about, uh, well, we'll get into a couple of things here. You know, first of all, I have a recommendation. I, was, I didn't have time to put up a pick. I have a recommendation. Check out the series Shattered Hopes. So it is a series on what I would consider the real Amityville horror, which is the DeFeo murders. That's the real horror. So, of course, after the DeFeo murders, the Lutzes move in, all this crap supposedly happens, and then they take off, and then it gets into a novel, it gets into movies, and all that. Uh, Tom McNicholas, $10 Super Chat, so Shauna can get some good meds. Awesome. Thank you very much, Tom. Appreciate that. Absolutely appreciate that. So, now they used elements from, of course, Creepy House, things going on in the neighborhood, like Jody the Pig was actually really Jody the Cat. It was a neighborhood cat that would go up to people's windows and stare in. And the neighborhood kids called her a pig. Apparently, I'm guessing she was fat. It was a fat cat. I'm not sure about that. But uh, the neighborhood kids would call the cat Jody a pig and so here it is now showing up in a book in the movie as you know the red eyes actually you know in the movie they didn't actually even show it as a pig they just showed the red eyes you heard the uh, uh, the oinking of it but you never actually saw it as a pig where in the book they actually uh, described the pig so um, yeah all this stuff about you know the uh, the get out, the flies, all that stuff. It just, it didn't go down. Um, of course, that's if you, if you don't believe the Lutz story, <laughs> which I don't, you know. Um, yeah, the, the real horror was was the DeFeo murders. And it, it's, um, <laughs> Jenna saying her dog is a pig. Giving the cat a bad rap. Yeah, that's that's kind of the way it goes. Um, and Betty and Wayne saying their lives after that movie went downhill. Well, yeah, and then there were a bunch of spinoffs that just didn't do as well. The Amityville 2 Possession was actually a depiction of the DeFeo family. Changed all the names and everything. Um, and then they kind of did the whole exorcist thing at the end of that movie where it's like, you know, come into me sort of thing. Um so there, and that was a big thing with that movie too, was The Exorcist had been, you know, massive hit. Uh, people were really into that thing at that time. And so Amityville was kind of compounding on top of that. You know, people were looking for that kind of story and here comes this. And so um, Tammy Heisman, when I was a young teen, like 13, I read the Amityville horror over and over, loved it, wore the thing out. I was fascinated. Yeah, and that's, 
that's where I mentioned earlier, Tammy, that uh, it was a it was a big influence for me when I was that age. You know, impressionable teen. I was, I think I was fourteen in in high school, and I remember <clears throat> reading that book, and I wanted to go to the place. I remember scaring the little girlfriend that I had at the time that uh, she thought I was going to read it and get scared. And I, was, I read it. And I was like, I want to go there. I want to find out what ha- really happens. You know, <laughs> thinking that it was all real because of course they depict it in the book as it was real. So. You know, um, but yeah, you know, black slime in the toilet and stuff coming down the stairs and, you know, all the, the chills and all that stuff. It just didn't. It just didn't. So, um, you know, Andrew, Tammy, I've seen a number of the murder pics of Andrewville. Nothing pretty. Um, yeah. So Betty and Wayne had a nephew move into a house where someone died and end up sitting for hours staring at the fireplace about that same time the movie came out. Interesting. So, yeah, Don, my curious as to your take on the Warren's involvement with the Amityville case. So, yeah, I'm about to get into that here because that also plays into the beginning of Conjuring 2. So, that, and that's the Ghost Boy pick, which we just recently did a video on real paranormal pictures, real paranormal photographs. Uh, some We included some of the more famous ones, and there was that one, the Ghost Boy pick from from Amityville, and, and the jury's kind of still out for me on that. There's, you know, some explanations for it. You know, they claimed the people that were there that night claimed that nobody was up there. You know, that particular at that particular time when the photograph was being taken. So they said certainly wasn't a boy, and then um, Paul shoot. I'm forgetting the last name because of the last B right now. Um, you're saying it wasn't him, and there's some similarities to him in the person in the pic, which looks like a boy, uh, but the shirts were different. So, okay, so not him, then who is it? So, yeah, it's a bit of a dilemma. Is it really a ghost boy? And people say that was, well, you know, looks like it's the youngest to fail child, and there are some similarities. Now, it was also, the photo was a night vision photo, so the glowing eyes could be that reflection that you get when you take a night vision photo. Usually, though, and see, this another thing with it, usually, though, it's just the center of the eyes uh, that glow for humans, not the whole thing, and in this photo, it was the whole thing. So there's a lot of, like, back and forth of, you know, are the eyes really right? Is it, you know, somebody that was actually there, you know, cover up, what have you? So, yeah, this the Warrens went in there, did a seance. It just, from all accounts, not much really happened uh, with that seance. Of course, Conjuring 2 depicts it as Lorraine having this very psychic moment where she's going up, she's, you know, portraying the murders by Ronnie DeFeo. And then she also sees the uh, the ghost boy who leads her downstairs into the basement where now suddenly she sees this, you know, demon nun, Valak. None of that happened. <laughs> you know, so that's, uh, again, completely Hollywoodized version of Amityville. And, you know, for that particular movie, it was like, what, the first five minutes of the movie, maybe ten? So, um, 
yeah, the, the Warren's involvement with the case, um, it seemed like they were trying to perpetuate the Lutz story, but then their seance didn't even go off very well, you know, because they had news crews and all that there. And the one thing that came out of it that was like, maybe something's going on, was that Ghost Boy photo, which is still controversial to this day. Um... All right, so I thought I saw some questions up here. Um, so, Carrie, yeah, we were talking about that for a little bit. Uh, Sean Old Smith, the Warrens lied about most of that story. And that's, you know, who knows? <laughs> who knows anymore? Uh, it was so long ago, and, you know, some people support it and others don't. So, and that was, yeah, Bree was also wondering about my uh, my take on the Warren's involvement. So that's my take. Um, okay. Cassandra 50, but was DeFeo actually just crazy or was he possessed when he murdered his family? Thoughts? Maybe a bit of both. So this is where I really highly recommend that series Shattered Hopes. So, because it dives deep, deep, deep into the DeFeo family and all the things that were going on within it. Uh, there was all kinds of domestic abuse. Um, you know, Ron Jr. Ron Senior. I'm sorry, because Ronnie was Junior, and most people called him Butch. Uh, Ron Senior was a very abusive parent, very abusive husband. He was involved with the mob. He was uh, cooking the books for the mob in the area. So there was a lot of different things going on. Um, you know, there was some uh, parent drug involvement there. And the, the thing about that particular night is Butch, Ronnie, wasn't even there to start the night off. There was domestic shit going on at the house. He was uh, living with his his wife and he got called back to the house. She tried to tell him, don't go to the house. He went anyway. And then you have a mysterious night that happened. And so, you know, he killed his, you know, his parents and all of his siblings. And then a lot of people contend that, you know, we say, the one for last and whether she was a part of it or not is debatable because there's all these different questions as to you know how in the world did he get off all of these shots without anybody waking up they all looked like they were asleep in their bed when he shot them so how did nobody wake up the movie depicts here's real versus real the movie depicts the shotgun blast going off during a storm and thunder and all that. There was no storm that night. <laughs> so neighbors didn't hear it. You know, very, very strange. So, um, yeah, Terry, that's what I was saying. Big Ronnie's father-in-law owned a car dealership in Queens. He had mafia connections. That's exactly what I was talking about. So, all right. Um, Shay says, Mike, I can't find the Cedos, Cedos. Okay. Okay. Zippy Davis asked, Mike, do you think the Annabelle doll is really haunted since that is a part of the Conjuring universe? So let's talk about that. So the, uh, the Annabelle doll, and I didn't even throw that in there, but we'll, we'll bring it up. So that was part of uh, the Conjuring universe, starting with the original Conjuring. And so this is the uh, the that's the parent, the real parent house 
on the left, and then you can see the portrayal of it on the uh, on the right. So there's so many different differences, different different nice, <laughs> so many differences within this. Um, you know, really, the story that you got in the Conjuring basically had the names of people <laughs> and not really anything that actually happened in the movie really happened in real life. It was, you know, you want to talk about artistic license. It wasn't even close. So the Annabelle Dow, we'll talk about the Annabelle Dow and then come back to the parent case real quick. So the Annabelle Dow, as many of you probably know, is really a Raggedy Ann doll. You know, for the for the movie, of course, they had to make it real creepy because that's Hollywood for you. You know, when I first saw that doll, it was like, who has a silver doll? You know, for the subsequent Annabelle movies, they made her more porcelain, more whitish, right? But for that first appearance in the first Conjuring movie, it was silver. You know, it was a silver color. So I don't know if they're trying to say it was painted silver. It was it didn't look pewter, you know, because it looked like a porcelain doll. I don't know what the heck they're trying to say that was. Um, but that's the that's the way they portrayed it because it made it look creepy. Do I believe the real Anna doll is Annabelle doll is haunted? I have no idea. I haven't visited it. So and you can. You can go to the Warren Museum and actually visit the doll and, and take a look. Um, I don't know. You know, it would be interesting to to go visit in the sea, you know, but they have, you know, all protected behind the glass. You know, I don't know if that really offers a protection being behind the glass. You know, to me, if the, if the doll is haunted, it could still do stuff. Even if you lock that thing up and it couldn't get out, I would still think considering all of the powers it supposedly possessed, I would still think it could influence people even through the glass. You know, so I don't know, you know, it's it's an interesting question. And certainly the way that they have portrayed Annabelle since, you know, with the subsequent movies the they had Annabelle and then uh, the Annabelle origin movie. Um, what was it? Annabelle created creation? Yeah. Um, the first one was like, eh. Um, the Annabelle creation movie was better than the first Annabelle movie. But I'll say this about it. It didn't really explore any new territory. There's a nice twist at the end. I'll give them that. There's a nice twist at the end. You know, and it was fine, you know, for a for a movie of that genre. You know, and it gave, I think, some additional backstory to the Annabelle doll in that universe. But, of course, it was all fictionalized. You know, <laughs> again, totally fictionalized. But it, it gave some uh, interesting background. Um, at least for a fictional universe. So, uh, what else you guys got? So, Mike, what do you think of Blair Witch? Okay, we'll get into Blair Witch here in a movie. Mike, have you seen the Legend of Hell House movie? Yes, I have. Yes, I have. Uh, yeah, that, I have that one around here somewhere. <laughs> um, so, Sean says, if you touch it, you get possessed about the Annabelle doll. Yeah, uh, apparently you do. <clears throat> and Judy says I should go. So, uh, you know, I had a Raggedy Andy doll when I was a kid. So, 
there's that. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we'll get to these couple of ones real quick. I want to, because I just started touching on it. So the parent house, real quick. Um, okay. So, yeah, really nothing in the Conjuring movie really happened. <laughs> I mean, it's like you had the names, all the backstory about Bathsheba was wrong. It's like, yes, there's a Bathsheba who haunted the house. There's a lot of entities that haunt that farmhouse. Um now, there's a couple of different women going on in there. There's Manny, the guy who's there. Um, you know, you like I said, I forgot to grab Andrea's book. Um, it's a series of three. But, um, yeah, there's so much that goes on. There's more that actually goes on in that farmhouse than they actually depicted in the movie. But the movie decided to stick with one particular story with Bathsheba. You know, they, they turned her into, um, you know, this this witch that uh, kept wanting to murder children, uh, you know, and all this, which, you know, was not true. Um, you know, and there's, like I said, there's more than one entity that, uh, that haunts. There's a child in there as well. You know, it's, uh, just far from the truth. You know, Roger was not a truck driver, (laughs) just all kinds of stuff, you know, and, the hauntings that happened there happened over a series of 10 years. Of course, the movie makes it out that it all happened, what, within a season? Six months? I, I, it's kind of, I, I, you don't really even get a time frame other than it was like boom, 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 boom. You know, kind of back to back to back. Um, spooky, spectacular, Don, $5 super chat because we can handle the truth. Thank you, Don. Appreciate that. As always, um, the way the Warrens got involved in the case, so they depict they depict Carolyn um, going to a Warrens um, uh, seminar, which is a cameo from of the real Lorraine in the movie. She didn't go there. What happened? In fact, the Warrens didn't even go there at first. What happened was. The Johnson brothers, Carl and Keith, they're driving by the house one day, and they pick up from somewhere that this place is haunted. <laughs> so they come up to the house, and they're like, "We feel like something's going on." By this point, because you know, this was like years into them being there, like a couple years into them being there, and they knew stuff was going on. They invite them into the house, and they were picking up on a lot of different things, and so. Carl and Keith went back and they knew the Warrens. They told the Warrens about the place. And then the Warrens showed up on their doorstep, you know, about it. And so, um, you know, basically the Warrens were kind of seeking out the parents, hearing about this haunted house. Hey, can we check it out? And so, um, and so, you know, the Warrens, I believe, were, were trying to help them. Um, there may have been a bit they were trying to do some other stuff to progress their paranormal career as well. But I think they were trying to help. Um, the seance with, uh, with Carolyn uh, was in the kitchen. And yeah, there was all kinds of stuff flying around in the kitchen and whatnot during that. Um, and when it was all finally said and done... Um, Roger punched out Ed. <laughs> so, 
again, very kind of different than what happened in the movie. So um, pick up Andrea Perrin's book. She has a, a trilogy of what really went down uh, in that farmhouse. Again, it happened over the course of 10 years. And she also talks about a lot of fond memories there at that farmhouse as well. It's not just like crazy, spooky shit. So um, go check that out. So now back to a couple of your guys' questions up here. So who was it that was asking about Bell Witch? So Diane, Mike, do you want to go to Bathsheba's grave? Um, yeah, Diane, I'm going to check that out while I'm there. So um, I did get an invite from Andrea to go check some stuff out while I'm there uh, in July. So that's true. I am going to be in Harrisville, Rhode Island in July for the Ocean State Paracon. So I'll be checking that out. So, um, so okay, and then Carrie, the original Haunting of Hill House film was terrifying. I remember that movie. I have seen that one as well. So uh, I'm scrolling back up. Okay, yeah, what about, okay, Dawn, Spooky Spectacular. What do you think about the Blair Witch Project? So that one was interesting because I was living in Frederick, Maryland at the time the Blair Witch came out. Of course, the Blair Witch was supposedly just up the road um, from, <coughs> excuse me, from Frederick. What did they say it was? Burkittsville, right? And, oh, fantastic. That's saying I'm low, I have a low battery. Shit. Give me a second. This is going to be really awkward. <laughs> Give me a second. Because we can't have that die in us. In the meantime, play some uh, play some music, right? <sighs> okay, so we'll switch this out real quick. And the screen probably went black. You guys have that. Okay. There's the Mike Ricksecker setup. And I'll, Aqua Turtle. Basically, the deal is that new camera. And I don't have the uh, plug in pack for it yet, it's on order. And I tested out that I should have had two hours. Apparently not, even though my original test went fun. So, and actually it seems like that's okay. So let me sit down and see what we got. Ta-da! Okay, there we go. That was me being stubborn. I just wanted to use the new camera. <laughs> it's true. All right, so now the awkward moment is over. So Blair Witch. Blair Witch was interesting in the fact that um, I was living in Frederick, Maryland at the time and actually got to experience and see some of the... Uh, phenomena of like fan reaction to the movie while actually living 
in the area where it you know supposedly happened. Of course, it was a uh, fictional tale. None of it was true. I think it was an interesting... It, it was kind of one of those... Uh, you know, the, the, it wasn't the first, but it was one of the first found footage movies to like really take off and, and do well. So it was interesting in that regard. Uh, the sequels have been crap. Um, there were there were parts of the Blair Witch that dragged on that I didn't quite care for. And then um, the ending just happened like too quick in this last one that they just had. They tried to really expand on that ending, and they like did too much. So, um, so that's my take on Blair Witch. So, and then okay, Don also asked, "What about the Paranormal Activity movies?" You know, the the first one was awesome. <laughs> you know, there was still a lot of you know, one of those that if you just did a little bit of research on the movie, you would know that it was fiction. But there was enough, I guess people not in the know <laughs> that it uh that i wasn't real that you know spooked the hell out of them going out of there um i, I thought they did the first one really well uh the second one kind of dragged on a little bit you know with because you know, they kept going to like footage of the pool and all that stuff it was okay um the third one started introducing some other elements which i thought was needed for the series fourth and eh. You know, the one that I actually kind of, the, in the Ghost of Mission was just kind of like ridiculous, but the one that I liked, that, or kind of liked, that didn't get a whole lot of fanfare was the Marked Ones. You know, that was kind of like a, um, you know, a Paranormal Activity spinoff that did tie into the lore of the movie, and there were, I liked that one. <laughs> you know, there were some funny moments in it too that I liked, so yeah. So that's what I thought of the Paranormal Activity movies. Um, what else you guys got? Um, okay. Exorcism of Emily Rose. So, Exorcism of Emily Rose, yeah, it was based off of, uh, Annalise Michael. And that's, that one's a sad tale. That's a really sad tale. Um, the, the parents and the priests that were involved, um, they were charged and did spend some time in jail for that, uh, basically for neglect, is basically what they ended up getting charged with. <clears throat> so, as a real versus real on that, um, you know, I thought they did a fairly decent job of staying true to the story, and I can't, because I didn't really prepare for it, um, I can't think of all offhand all the different things, because the way they told the story with the haunting, or um, I'm sorry, the exorcism of Emily Rose, is they told it from a legal standpoint. So it was the trial that they were going through within the movie. So it was like a really different way, a different take, different type of storytelling uh, mechanism for that. Um, so it wasn't just a straight, here's, here's the exorcism story, which is like the way a lot of them do it. This was... Here's the legal case. So I thought that was an interesting take uh, for that particular movie was to come at it from the legal aspect. And then you got the parts of the story throughout that. So it was, it was quite an interesting way to do it. So, um, yeah, there's Tammy Heisman saying House of Darkness, House of Light for Andrea's books. 
Um, I know I'm way behind on the chat, right? <laughs> um, all right. So what else you guys got here? So original Hell House was creepy, banging on the wall, scared me. Um, a lot of that stuff is really creepy as hell with that. Um, so Shauna says, Bell Witch area is definitely a bucket list set. I'm really, <laughs> okay. You know, back, to, I mean, I lived out there for 11 years. Um, you're kind of in the, yeah, the, the foothills of those mountains, it's a nice area. It, it just, okay. I, <laughs> um, Carrie's near the Bell Witch. Okay. Um, oh, I'm already back down the, to the bottom. Okay. I must have accidentally skipped something. Okay. Uh, Betty and Wayne asking, do you believe the Winchester house is haunted? So, yeah, I did the uh, the Winchester House stuff. What was that, about a month or two ago when the movie came out? So, I haven't actually been there. So, I can only go off of the accounts that I've seen and heard and read. And it's probably one of those where somewhere in between. Where people probably have seen some things there. Some of the stories over time have probably been elaborated. But for everything that she put into that house and what that house symbolized for her, I absolutely believe that it is haunted. Is it haunted with the things that people say are there and the manifestations that people have seen? I don't know. But it just, it makes sense to me that it would be haunted. So... <clears throat> um, yeah, the old movie, The Haunting of Hill House with Julie Harris, the old black and white movie. Yeah. Uh, is the Bell Witch real? You know, it's kind of interesting. That this, this is what I'll say about the Bell Witch. So one of our presidents, Andrew Jackson, went there. Okay, actually, well, he was visiting um, the Bells because uh, John Bell had served under him during the um, was the Battle of New Orleans during the War of 1812. And so coming through the area, um, Jackson wanted to visit uh, John Bell and also wanted to check out what the deal was with <laughs> what the deal was with this supposed witch cave and everything. So he went out there, they checked it out. Apparently, after the evening that they went to go check it out, Jackson and his whole contingent just took off, got out of there extremely early the next day. A lot of people say that the witch scared him off. So, you never know. You never know. Well, a lot of people do contend that the Bell Witch is true. So, um, don't... Don't watch the remake of The Haunting from 1999. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, it's... It's, um... Yeah, it's... Not all that great. He had a lot of big-name stars in it. And the way it was put together, it was just kind of... It was almost kind of goofy, you know? So, what else did I have? Oh, yeah. I had... 
the entity. The entity. So, you know, it's kind of interesting. I had this photo, the one of uh, Doris Byther, which is the real uh, woman from the entity case in California. I had this photo sent to me just recently because of Shauna's photo of the Campsville locks where there's that arc of something coming in toward me. And so I, I can't remember who sent it in, but they were saying, yeah, this it, it's a similar type of arc as to this. Now, they didn't actually see that arc. And yes, Shauna, I'll get to Insidious here in a month, in a little bit. <laughs> um, I have it, I have it queued up. So they didn't actually see this arc. What they were seeing were balls of light that they said were like yellowish to lime green in nature. And so what they believe this arc is, is the path of one of those balls of light. And they had, there's actually a number of photos that are, that are like this, but this is one that was interesting that they captured. And one of the things that they're saying was that because of the way that the arc is and, you know, the way that the corner of the house is and the wall, da, 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 all that, that this thing is in uh, free-floating form. So it had nothing to do with the structure of the house. <clears throat> so, you know, the, the, how does the entity movie compare to what really happened? Um, you know, they, they kept a lot of elements of the story true, how... Um, she approached them in a bookshop, <laughs> you know, um, you know, some of the different elements of, you know, like the, the boy getting his arm broken, um, you know, that didn't happen, but there were times where he saw his mother getting attacked and he went to try to go do something and a force held him back or threw him backward. Um, he just didn't actually break his arm. I guess when they first went to go visit her, you know, stuff started flying out of the, the cabinets while they were there. Um, you know, of course, a movie being in, you know, what was it, 1981 when they filmed it. Um, you know, special effects being what they were. I guess it did their best to portray the balls of light. They're kind of, the special effects in the movie were kind of cheesy. But they do say that, you know, when the, when the balls of light formed the figure, they actually saw that figure. Uh, all the stuff at the end with, uh, them taking her on campus and setting up the recreation of her house and the liquid, was it liquid helium that, that they said uh, that they were going to use? That didn't happen. Um, of course, they, they couldn't afford to run that kind of test. So, now the UCLA, they did have a, um, a, a department that was working on parapsychology and this type of phenomenon. And so they were actually doing legit research here. And this was one of their poltergeist cases. So Doris moved on. She moved away from the house, moved to a couple different areas, ended up in Texas. So all the stuff at the end of the movie where they brought her into the campus and all of that for their test didn't happen. Where they got that from was they asked the, uh, the researchers working on the case if if you could set something up to try to study this phenomenon in a closed environment, how would you do it? 
and this is what they told him. So that was what the end of the, that movie was, was if carte blanche, any type of test you could run, how would you do it? That's what they would do or would have done. Um, the whole uh, psychiatrist being involved in that case, there wasn't a psychiatrist involved in that case. Um, they did say that she may have gone to see somebody, but not to the extent that was portrayed in the movie. So, um, Bethany Warner's taking off. It's all right. It's always, it's always getting late. I understand that, you know, it's especially here in the East, right? Um, so yeah, Pungai Fungai, the, the ending movie was based on the book and the book in turn was based on the real case. Yeah. Um, and for that, and for the book at the, the end of there, I mean, that's what they were saying. So the, the guy that, uh, wrote the book and, um, Oh, I forget his name, but he was with them almost from the get where when they were investigating her house, he was there as well and, you know, taking notes on the case. And everybody also kind of subsequently moved with her when she moved out of that house and stuff was also going on at the new house that she moved into. Stuff was also going on at the neighbor's house. And so when she moved again after that, the research team from UCLA did not continue to follow her, but the writer did. He continued to follow her all the way along until the book was finally written. So um, where is she now? She is in, um, if she's still alive, the last I heard she is in Texas. So, um, all right, so... What do you think of the movie Deliverance from Evil based on a true story? Um, I haven't seen it. <laughs> I don't think I've seen that one. Um, let's see, Art Bell did an interview with one of the investigators. You're talking from the um, from the Entity case. the the one The one that I've seen is uh, Barry Taff. The, the the interviews that I've seen with the Entity with the Entity case, uh, which is quite interesting. So. All right, I know Sean is waiting for Insidious, so let's get to Insidious. So Insidious, um, Insidious is not based on a true story, and the reason why I was including it was um, in some of these movies you get elements within it that you know are used in real paranormal cases or real paranormal investigations, and so, <clears throat> um, yes, yeah, and but anyway, so saying so, I wonder if some people are haunted. Well, yeah, and and people themselves get haunted. It's not just a location; it is people. And that's basically the conclusion that they came to with with that particular case with the entity was that she was haunted, um, and that she was actually uh, projecting uh, poltergeist activity. And I've got into it before about the difference between a poltergeist and poltergeist activity. So I'm not going to go there just yet. But so I was staying insidious. Um, okay, so <clears throat> Insidious and Gonsfeld. So threw this in there, and I was hoping Shauna was going to be on this evening for this one. Thank you, Pungai Fungi. Frank D. Felita. Yes, thank you. <laughs> That's the writer of the, the Entity book. So, yeah, uh, Gonsfeld. So this is one of, um, one of the things within Insidious that is a... Uh, real technique. It's an experimental technique for uh, ex extrasensory perception, uh, ESP, 
And and there's a two dollar super chat from Snaggletooth from Patrick. Hunter Road Media kicks ass is what he says. Thank you very much. <clears throat> and did Mike just get quiet again? You know, I think it gets a little quieter when I go to uh, these screens, and I haven't figured that one out yet. Why? Either is when I go to the uh, the photos. So, um, an insidious Elise dons this weird gas mask thing to eliminate her senses. Although you have the eyes there where she can see, but she closes her eyes, if I recall correctly. In it, but this is basically gets rid of her senses. And then, of course, Gonsfeld, um, you know, you have the, the balls that go over the eyes, you're listening to pink noise, and it's supposed to put you into um, like a type of sensory deprivation arena. Of course, also within Insidious, they do some hypnosis techniques to go to this thing that they call the uh, further. So... <clears throat> So Shauna, I, I was going to suggest she could talk a bit about Gonsfeld down in uh, the chat because she's actually done <clears throat> Gonsfeld experiment. And yeah, I know I'm starting to lose my voice. Two shows back to back. I don't know how Art did it for like six hours. Of course, he would have call-in guests, so he would let them speak a while. Um, but that's, you know, he'd start off like a four-hour show and then extended like six. He would go for like hours. I don't know. And so Bree saying yes is happening when it changes screen. Yeah, that's one that I've all, that I have known about was when it changes to those other screens. And I've played around with that a bit to try to fix that. And I, I'm not sure why that does that there. Here, I don't know why it's gone back and forth. The only thing that the only thing I know for sure that happened is when I got back from Shauna's a couple weeks ago. That even when I was doing my regular recordings for uh, the Hunter Road Media 365 and stuff like that, that it was lower in volume. And I'm not sure why. So I've tried to play around with it and fix it and all that. And this is what we have right now. So uh, Sean is saying, Gonsfeld experiment is something I would never do alone. Very glad to have had people nearby, even though I couldn't see, hear, or feel them. So yeah, so Gonsfeld, it's like sensory deprivation. And the way you're supposed to do the experiment is you have a sender and you have a receiver. And so the receiver is the one with the with the uh you know the eyes and the you know basically having their senses deprived so the sender you know is kind of sitting off on the side and they're supposed to send images and thoughts and supposed to project some things to the receiver and the receiver is supposed to come back with this is what i felt saw whatever i think the way shauna used it um and shauna you can kind of um tell us down there in the chat the way shauna used it was that you know they did this whole sensory deprivation thing and then tried to pick up on things going on around them in that you know very haunted cafe there in campsville illinois so a little bit of a different way to use it but still the same type of concept where even though you're not um trying to get from one particular person you're trying to get from all of your surroundings so um with Elise in the Insidious movies, it was, you know, trying to tune into, you know, the the spirit that was uh, oppressing, uh, what was it, Dylan? Was that the boy's name, Dylan? Jeez. I've, I watch these movies all the time. Um, uh, but the boy. <laughs> um, yeah. So, 
uh, Snuggletooth, Mike, have you seen Crimson Peak? I have not, so I can't, um, I can't speak to it. Shauna says, the Spirits of Cinders definitely did not disappoint. So, you know, we do have an entire episode on the Godsfeld experiment that, uh, that Shauna did speak to, to all of that. I think we did that a couple months ago. Um, yeah, so she's saying we use the spirits as the cinders. Yeah, so they were they were set up there in the cafe, all like that, and then we're basically letting the spirits send to them, which is kind of in a way that, um, you know, that's what Elise was doing in the Insidious movies. <clears throat> so... Um, have I changed anything in software? No, I haven't changed anything in the software. It's the same setup that I've used, been using for several months now. I'll get it figured out. I, I don't know why it's doing it, but I will figure it out. Um, hey, Mike, you know anything about a haunting in Connecticut? So, I haven't, I haven't looked at a haunting in Connecticut in a while. I mean, I remember seeing the movie years ago. Um, and of course I know it's a Warren's case. <laughs> you know, I thought the the one that was goofy was The Haunting in Connecticut in Georgia, that movie. That movie was, uh, I mean, it doesn't even make any sense. <laughs> Haunting in Connecticut in Georgia. What? Um, oh, I, I, I don't remember enough from that case to talk on. If you guys want to talk about it in chat, that's fine. And we can discuss. So... You know, and I had a sneaking suspicion of haunting in Connecticut was going to come up, and I just didn't have time to like refresh myself on it. <clears throat> so Shauna on the Gonsfeld is saying, "I felt heard horses and hoofbeats. I heard a woman and a child, and then felt someone get right up in my face. And they said I put my hands out to stop whoever it was. So that's Shauna on the Gonsfeld. Going back to, um, so yeah, Snaggletooth saying anyone seen the Sixth Sense? So the Sixth Sense was another one I was going to talk about. I didn't get a chance to put up a pick, but that's okay. So yeah, Sixth Sense is a is another one in which has elements that uh, people routinely say that they experience. So the way, <clears throat> excuse me, talking with different psychic mediums that I know and trust, the way that the boy picks up on the stuff that he does is very similar to the way they do. So they chalk up the sixth sense as a really fairly true, authentic way of depicting how a psychic medium uh, gets their impressions and sees things. So uh, the thing for me with the sixth sense, of course, the, who, who doesn't like the twist ending, the thing for me about the sixth sense when I first saw it um, and I've talked a little bit about this before, was in Bruce Willis, now this is kind of interesting, Bruce Willis as a ghost listening back on cassettes to listen to ghost voices. <laughs> I, was, I always found that one kind of interesting. So, but that, you know, was basically showing capturing EVP, right? And when I first saw that, what was that, early 90s when it came out? And coming out of a small town, and basically all I'd done at that point was I read Hans Holzer, read Amityville Horror. It had the first little paranormal investigation that I didn't even know was a paranormal investigation. You know, whatever. You know, I had my shadow person experience long before that. Now I see that, and then it starts clicking. Like, oh, 
oh, recording spirit voices. Oh, and I didn't know it was called EVP at the time. And then thinking back to some of Hans Holzer's stuff that, you know, there were times that he used a recorder. Oh, not necessarily pick up spirit voices, but basically to record um, the session that was going on. He used a, he used a medium in most of his cases um, to go along with him. And so, you know, it's stuff just started clicking when I saw that. And so, not the psychic side of it with the boy, but more, here's Bruce Willis with the recorder. Um, so, I, I'm going to follow up some more with Shauna here, because she's she's continuing on about Gonzo, which is fine, because I wanted her to talk about it in chat. <clears throat> um, she says that the property was originally a Native American campsite, which is true. Um said, oh, and I just scrolled down too far. There are a lot of spirits on the venue as well. There's uh, some that are documented, some not. Uh, she says, I saw some and interacted, or I, some I saw and interacted with face-to-face, -face, some I didn't. So uh, there's Ghost Boy Byron, uh, if you've seen uh, or read Encounters with the Paranormal Volume 2. So Shauna's story about uh, the cafe is in that with a, illustration by Adam Tillery of the Ghost Boy of Byron. Um, so, very cool. So, I missed a uh, Sean Oldsmith asking about white noise. So, white noise, Sean and I have been talking a lot about this lately. So, instead of using a ghost box so much because it's cycling through radio stations, and to me, that's a lot of uh, to, to me, it's it's tainted. It's tainted right there because you have legit voices coming through from radio stations. And some people will say that, well, the spirits are using their energy to piece the voices together and give you a word. Like, really, it's cycling 13 times per second. You know, they're going to have time to piece that together. Um, I think that if voices come through, like, legit spirit voices come through on those it's coming through the white noise of a ghost box and actually i'm gonna um just mention ohio paranormal syndicate so i tagged along with them on the investigation of madison seminary and they were they used a ghost box uh they used the sb7 and john sent me this audio clip that was really interesting that it was a voice that came across you could tell it came across the SB7, but it was unlike what you usually hear come across in SB7. Um, you know, very distinct voice. Almost, It was almost as if somebody was standing right there, but talking through the thing and distorting their voice with the white noise of the SB7. So it wasn't like the normal stuff that you get off it, like the little bits of chatter and like snippets of words that you're like piecing together. This was like a phrase that was hard to discern, but it came through the white noise of the thing. So it was very different. And so that's more of stuff that I'll buy is uh, the voices coming through white noise rather than the radio chatter. And I think that when it comes to those devices, people are mostly picking up on radio chatter rather than actual legit voices. And so that's why I'm always like really leery of those type of devices. So, um, 
Yeah, uh, yeah, Betty and Wayne, a movie called The Gift that is like The Sixth Sense. Yeah, that's a good movie. I like The Gift. I, I've mentioned that one in another show before, too, where um, that's another one that that psychics will, will point out and say it works a lot like that with The Gift. Um, it's a good movie. So was that, was that Gwyneth Paltrow? So um, Katie Holmes is the one that gets killed. That's a good movie. Uh, Keanu Reeves is in that too. Yeah, so it has some it has some good names and it. it's it's a good movie too. So I have that back here somewhere. Um, Don Poltergeist was based on the Herman family of Long Island, New York. What do you think of that movie? So yeah, the original Poltergeist movie. So that you know that can be attributed to so many different places where the headstones were moved and the bodies were left. Like there's a park in Denver where they moved the headstones, they left the bodies, and it's a park now, a city park. And, you know, I've, I've heard stories of, you know, people walking through and, you know, they witnessed something. Or one was uh, they were camping out in the park and there was, like, all kinds of crazy stuff going on around their tent. So, um, yeah, the, the I mean, the, come on. The virtual Polar Guys movie is a classic. You know, I, we would... Because I was a kid when that came out, and I remember we're sitting there, we're in my living room, and, you know, we had, we're like one of the few families in the neighborhood that had cable and had HBO at the time, and so we're watching it up to that part where the guy starts to tear off his face, and, you know, (laughs) my parents turned it off, you know, I think they thought it was going to be okay because you know it was steven spielberg and you know steven spielberg had just had et and then so okay well you know you know close encounters et you know steven spielberg does indiana jones stuff you know be fun guy tearing off his face movie goes off damn it so what we'd have to do um is find another person in the neighborhood when their parents weren't around and you know we're looking at the times you used to get the little booklet in the mail for you know on all the uh, movies are going to be on HBO. You look in the booklet at the time, it's like, okay, Polar Guys is on at this time, and your parents aren't home, so we're going to watch Polar Guys and watch the guy get his, rip his face off. Uh, so, that's <laughs> being goofy as kids. So, um, all right. So, what am I missing here, guys? Um, Snaggletooth's saw it when you were 12 yeah it was you know uh kate blanchett was it okay it's kate blanchett okay yeah um in the gift no it was one of those ladies (laughs) i like kate blanchett i should have known that i have to go watch that now right i like kate blanchett in uh the elizabeth movies those are good yeah, I have to um, throw this one out there for, for Rob Gutcher. So Rob Gutcher was on um, Edge of the Rabbit Hole a couple weeks ago and talking about ghosts of England. And so he's talking about the Tudors, and his, his husband Tom um, is, like, really big into the Tudor dynasty and all that stuff. So um, I also really like that stuff as well. So um, I'd also in the past done research on it, and uh, I own both Elizabeth movies, so and the other Boleyn girl. <clears throat> and of course, The Tudors is on Netflix, right? 
Yeah, so ever since Rob was on the show, it was like I went through the other Boleyn Girl, the two Elizabeth movies, and um, in the process of binge-watching uh, the Tudors again. So <laughs> it's good stuff. I don't know. I mean, how much of it is really true to what really happened, right? You know, they all have their own take on it, but um, interest, a really interesting piece of English history. So completely off topic, but... Yeah, there's Shauna the Tudors, yay, <laughs> with a big smiley. Yeah, uh, it, it's just it's just a fascinating uh, piece of English history, and just you know, and of course the castles, and you know, I, I just I just like not a guy thing to say, but some of the uh, uh, you know the dresses and the suits that the guys are in, just the clothing and everything. They did a fantastic job with all that stuff. It's like, dude, that's pretty kick-ass. So Cheryl Midkiff is taking off. See you later, Cheryl. Um, Snagglethooth is asking, Mike, have you seen The Changeling with George C. Scotts? I have not, so I can't talk on it. So um, The Others, okay. <clears throat> yeah, we can talk about The Others. Um the others. <laughs> so I, I usually bring up the others when I talk about, a lot of times I talk about my stack time theory, and we were talking about uh, the parent house before with uh, with Andrea in the first Conjuring movie, and something that of course was not in the first Conjuring movie, but is in Andrea's book, is this appearance of people, of spirits, of ghosts sitting at the dining room table and one of them turning toward I think it was Andrea and her mother and saying will you look at that as if Andrea is the ghost and like I said I think her mother was as if they were the ghosts and so that was kind of the thing with the others where you're going through this entire movie and if I'm spoiling it for anybody I'm sorry but it was you know 25 years ago you know um, they're going through this entire movie where your perspective is with Nicole Kidman and her kids and, and all of this. And you come to find out that, no, they were the ghosts all along. <laughs> and it was, you know, they, you know, they're thinking they're being haunted. You know, they're in this house and Nicole Kidman's in this house. She's being haunted. She's seeing all this different activity going on. And, you know, it's like, what is going on? My house is like haunted. And on the flip side, it's like, no, they were the ghosts that, they were experiencing the people that are within the house. And so I also mentioned it with the stack time theory, because if everything is happening in the same place at the same time, then if there's some sort of bleed over between times, you would be seeing each other as spirits, as a ghost. So, um, all right. So what else you guys got? Um, cause basically now I'm just going off of what you guys have. I had, I've already covered everything that I had. So, you know, Night of the Living Dead. Um, and yeah, Don, I wonder if spirits think we are spirits. And that's a theory. That That is definitely a theory that's out there. So, and, and that very well may be the case. <clears throat> so, um, David Dolphins, I haven't seen that. Um, Don, I'm okay, Mike, share your sensitive side. <laughs> uh that's fine. So, Chipper Terry says, I got an invitation to do some writing for the Tudor Historical Society. I'm doing my bit on Sir Thomas More. Wow, okay, cool. 
Yeah, Thomas More. Yeah, Henry regretted that one. Henry regretted that one, and he regretted Cromwell. At least most people believe that. <laughs> I think a lot of it has kind of been interpreted over time because people have opinion on one thing, you'll see another opinion on another. It's, yeah. Um, all right. Let's see, Audrey Rose is supposed to be based on a possible reincarnation. Okay. All right, guys, I think, I mean, no, we're past the time. So, oh, geez, Luli Tubi, you had to throw out Interstellar. Um, yeah, Inter Interstellar is one of those, because I had already been working on stack time theory, like, years ago. You know, I had these ideas. I'm like, what if time really worked like this? And when Interstellar came out, I did a couple of videos, because it they caused me to think about it even more and add some things into it. And so I came out with a couple of videos back then of, you know, mapping out the stack time theory. And then we covered it in the time of dimensions inside the upside down a few months ago. But Interstellar was was definitely a catalyst in there to kind of spur me on to start writing down a, a lot of these ideas that I had uh, on this particular theory. So, yeah, I love Interstellar. <laughs> it's a great movie. So, um, um, yeah, Sean saying, Mike, you look tired or that bourbon. I mean, coffee is really good. It's tea. It's tea with lemon and honey in it because I get talking for this many hours and it, it gets uh, uh, it gets a bit much. Okay, so I got to... Thawne, a wormhole is a fold in time. I, I, this is the one thing that always drives me nuts about these movies. Hang, let me guess. Hang on a second. Okay. So, they always say, okay, wormhole. Now, imagine, okay, this is... This, damn it. Okay. This is space. So, you have... You know, you have a point here. Damn it, I'm trying to line it up with the camera. And you have a point over here. The quickest way to get to them is do this, and you fold it over, and you punch a hole, and there you go. That That's your wormhole to get from one side. Here, the, the trick is doing that fold. If you could bend space and time, they have to throw that caveat on there. If you could bend space and time, since every single day we can just bend space and time. <laughs> I always get a kick out of that. Do wormholes exist? Maybe. But the idea of just, hey, yeah, we'll just bend space and time and punch a wormhole. We're definitely not there yet. <laughs> so, yeah, getting riled up. Well, it's just, David, it's just one of those things. That I just, I get a kick out of that because they, they just show that in movies like, oh, yeah, not, not a problem. You know, bend space and time, punch a wormhole. We're good to go. <laughs> um so, Sean, it was an event horizon. Yeah, event, event, event horizon, if I can speak now. Um, yeah, it, it was in, um, whatchamacallit, it? it was also in Interstellar. Um, yeah, and, and Sean is saying Rose Red is based on the Winchester House, and yeah, I haven't seen the Winchester House movie yet either. So I do want to go see that. I meant to go see it when it came out and just didn't get around to it. All right. Um, 
And Sean is saying, I'm definitely lacking in the sleep department. This is true. This is true. I'm usually lacking in sleep. All right. Yeah, fold the paper. All right. So, oh, Chipper Terry says, uh, by the way, thank you, Mike and Shauna. I received my Haunted Road Media t-shirt yesterday, and it's comfy and very cool. Arrived very quickly. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. That's that's what these are back here, the Haunted Road Media t-shirts, along with ghosties. So, hauntedroadmedia.com. You can find out all the information there on how to get those. So, but thank you, Terry, for, for grabbing one of those. Um. <coughs> Just not saying that movie, actual Winchester House. Um, B three airspace. We need the spice, the spice mode. So we're making a Dune reference. We're making a reference to Dune with the spice. So okay. Um, I think that's probably going to be about it, guys. Uh, we have gone over. Um, what house did you find haunted? And um, Patrick said, I want to help you out on Patreon. Well, that Pat, and Patrick, that's very nice. I mean, you just explained everything that happened with your mom and all that. You, Patrick, you don't have to worry about it. For others, though, we do have a, a Patreon page, uh, patreon.com slash Media. So uh, several of you are already out there, which is fantastic. And, um, you know, we update that one. Um, we... we we try to update it as much as we can. Of course, there's um, you know behind the scenes stuff. We do Q and A videos. I, I try to throw some blog posts in there. So we're always trying to update that. But it's another great way, uh, great way for you guys to uh, help support the channel. So and you guys have done fantastic out there with that. So um, okay, and Donna saying Rose Rose Red was based on actual Winchester House, not the movie. Okay, um, very cool. Phil saying, I'm, I'm still not convinced time can be stacked. I believe more so sound waves in regards to an EVP or energy waves are echoing through the environment. And that's how events repeat itself. Um, it's just a completely different way of looking at time rather than um, a river of time. Is everything happening in one place. Time. I mean, it's, it's a lot to get your head around and there are a lot of holes in it. Um, you'd also have to believe in predestination, which I don't necessarily do. It's also, uh, if you believe in reincarnation, doesn't really work for that either. <laughs> so there's a lot of holes in it at this moment. Um, you know, and I'm not saying it's the way it truly works, but it is, it's a different way to look at things. And there may be some principles within it that may actually work. So, um, I think in any of these theories that we throw out, no single one is correct. In that, you know, we're all trying to we're all trying to figure different things out. It's kind of like, and I, I don't mean to 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 get religious or anything like that. But something I always say uh, about religion is that, you know, none of them are a hundred percent correct. I think they each have some parts that are and what percentages they are correct i don't know depending on the denomination or the or the you know different you know world religions that are out there i think they each have a little bit of something about them that are correct but i don't know exactly which parts are and none of them are 100 percent. so just like any of these theories that we have about space time i don't think any of them are 100 percent correct but they each i think have different 
parts of them that are. And so, you know, I reserve the right to change my mind <laughs> about anything. So as I continue down this journey, as we continue down this journey together, we'll keep discussing and playing around with some of these different theories and seeing if we can, you know, discover more, um, throw out some parts that maybe we discover invalid along the way. We'll see what happens. So, all right, everybody. Um, it is 20 past. Well, actually, we're an hour and 20 into it. It's actually 12 past <laughs> the hour. Um, yeah, and Shauna doesn't want spiders brought into it. <clears throat> no spiders, huh? All right. So let's get into the shout outs because I'm about to lose my voice here. <laughs> so, uh, Thank you, Shauna, for shenanigating the chat. Um, I, I do appreciate you, my love, for uh, bearing through it, even though you weren't feeling well, and for talking a little bit about the Gonsville uh, stuff in there, which, uh, which you know, you've done, and I've really wanted your take on all that. So, yeah, Shauna's like, Dawn Spider story is much worse, <laughs> of course. Um yeah, so, and then uh, Donna Gordon, our uh, Cheshire cat that's down in there, uh, thank you as well. So, Super Chat Superstars, let's get into it. Who is Super Chat Superstars? So, we had uh, Patrick, uh, Dawn, Tom McNicholas, Jen, and then we had uh, Andrew Cox between the shows. So, thank you guys for being uh, Super Chat Superstars for this hour. Actually, more than an hour, right? <laughs> so, um, all right. So, Cassandra50, thanks for joining us this evening. Absolutely appreciate that. Tammy Heitzman, thank you very much. Beat3 Airspace, one of our Deep Down the Rabbit Hole Patreon patrons. So, that would be Tom McNicholas Grizz, Beat3 Airspace, uh, Zippy Davis, BD Flint, and Pamela Queen. Those are our Deep Down the Rabbit Hole Patreon patrons. We have other Patreon patrons as well, but uh, the Deep Down the Rabbit Hole ones are the ones that get the... Uh, Deep down the rabbit hole, Patreon patrons uh, get their names at the end of the videos, and then I give them the shout-out here um, on these live stream shows because we don't have a graphic for that afterward. So, uh, Betty and Wayne Lange, thank you very much for hanging out tonight. And again, thank you for all of your support and the shout-outs on Twitter. Really do appreciate that. Uh, Judy Wilson, thank you very much. Don, Spooky Spectacular, thank you. Shay Carroll, thanks for joining us again this evening and uh, for connecting us there with uh, Beyond the Light, Light Network when you... Uh, uh, give us the uh, stuff from there on the Edge of the Rabbit Hole show. Chipper Terry, thank you very much. Sean Oldsmith, thanks for hanging out with us this evening. Bree Jones, thank you as always. Uh, Lenora Moreno, thank you very much as well. Haunted History, David Glidden, thank you very much. Jen K, thanks for joining us tonight. Tim Schoen, future Patreon is what he says. It's all right. Uh, Candy Orton, thank you very much as well. Uh, Candy also from Beyond the Light Network. Um, who else we had? Greg Renkin, thanks. Uh, I think I got Judy Wilson earlier, right? Um, who else did we have here? Um, um, that's Patrick Snaggletooth. Oh, Phil Summers, thank you as well. And uh, there's Carrie Parrish. Um, he says, Mike, there's a Spanish film called The Haunting about a doctor. Her husband and son move into an old mansion owned by the diocese. Very cool. Um, and I think, oh, Pungai Fungi, Diane Hilbert. Of course, thank you. And 
I think that is going to be it. I'll scroll back down. Of course, I know that as time goes on throughout the show, people start to drop off because it starts getting late. And that is going to be it. So Shauna says, Mike, David has an event to promote. Okay, toss it in there. Be quick because I'm about to sign off. So we also have our own event to promote, <laughs> which is the Honor of Media Paracon. Uh, in June, June 9th at the Mineral Springs Hotel in Alton, Illinois. So be there or be square. <laughs> it's only $5 to get into the thing. You get all the speakers. We have live music going on. You get access to all of the vendors. Um, the only thing you won't get access to with the $5 is the Paranormal Investigation that night, which starts at 8 o'clock. Uh, that's $35 for the Paranormal Investigation. We're going from uh, 8 till 2. So, uh, but for the uh, daytime event, $5 to get in, you get access to everything. So, all right. Um, so, B3 Airspace, and I love Tuesdays because of uh, Hunter Road Media, Matt Hatter. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. So, Dave is saying, Friday, 9 p.m. Central on our channel, live stream fundraiser for the Lost Limbs Foundation, live from Ashmore States. Okay, so check that out. <clears throat> um, from Haunting History, that's the channel. Uh, Friday, 9 p.m. Central, so that's going to be 10 Eastern. Um, they're doing a live stream fundraiser for Lost Limbs, so that's cool. Uh, always support Lost Limbs. So, And there's Luli Tubi. Okay, I didn't forget you, Luli. <laughs> All right. Uh, anybody else, you better get it in, like, now. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh, Betty, anyway, how do you sign up for the investigation? Okay, so there's a couple ways to do it. So you can go to hauntedroadmedia.com, and you just scroll down, and you'll see the whole write-up for the event, and there's some links in there for for all the stuff. So um, for the investigation part of it, for the general admission, and then uh, vendor table. So there's like three blocks that have links to get into those and get in there. Uh, the... Uh, the event page on uh, Facebook also has that on the Haunted Road Media uh, page, which would be facebook.com slash Haunted Road Media, um, which basically the links in there take you back to hauntedroadmedia.com anyway. So, but that's where the, the different links are. So if you want to, uh, if you're looking to get tickets, which I, I know you said on uh, Twitter, you, you might be able to get down there for that. Uh, that would be fantastic. We'd love to see you. So um, you yeah, can go to hauntedroadmedia.com and then click those links. So, um, so, yeah, that is too bad, uh, Pungai Fungai, if it's too far for you, because, yeah, we'd love to meet you. So, um, all right, I think, that, and there's Samuel Hall. <laughs> there's Samuel Hall. Fantastic. And Tammy, Tammy, yeah, it's uh, it's really a shame that, uh, that that got scheduled on June 9th, because we would love to have you down there. So, all right, I think that's going to be it now. <laughs> and yeah sean that's a little far from you i mean being in australia all right guys well thanks for hanging out tonight it is now 20 past now it's 20 past <laughs> 20 past midnight here in the east really thank all of you for joining us this evening it's been a great time talking about paranormal movies real versus real is, is interesting i think it was a, a bit more of a fun topic sometimes we get serious here but <laughs> Uh, this was fun. All right, guys. So you have a great night. Of course, we have Friday Night Ghost Stories coming up on Friday. Oh, if you, any of you guys are in Ohio, I'm going to be speaking up here, Lorraine, Ohio, St. Joe's, uh, St. Joseph's Hospital. 
the psychic fair that's being held up here. So I'm going to be speaking there Sunday at 2 o'clock. I'm going to be there all weekend, uh, set up with books and everything. So if you're in the Northeast Ohio area at all, come on out. Uh, be a great time. And um, I'm going to see if I can get in a live investigation there on Monday. So I'm going to talk to uh, Greg about that, see if we can get in there again. So, all right, everybody. That's it. Have a good night.